Hey guys, this is Sim with the Hard Time Strongman, showing up at Bear Class of Man, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Jake from Civil Sentinel. Jake, how are you doing, man? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I, you know, I'm so excited to have you on. So glad to have you here. We've talked for you know months now. You've helped us on the page with um, you know some combo stuff, MCON, TACOM, and I know that you're really active in this you know in this sect of the community. You just started you know your own podcast. You're on Instagram. Um, I think you were combo. You said back in the day you're still doing combo. I know that you're still running classes, but you know we we try to get as many subject matter experts on the on the show as we can to try to raise that standard um, and you know make everybody better just in a, in a more holistic approach. So, uh, like I said, super excited to have you on. Do you want to just kind of share your background, what you do, and uh, and where you're going? Absolutely. Um... Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I reached out to you guys. Uh, it's been a few months now and asked you guys to uh, talk about uh, some calm stuff. And uh, you guys did that on the podcast. So I'm glad to finally get to join you and have a discussion. Uh, yeah, me too, man. Uh, so a little bit about my background. Um, I am uh, not former military. I'm not law enforcement. Um, um, I am uh, involved in the community, so to speak. Uh, I started training. Uh, doing tactics and uh, really started with uh, three gun competitions and kind of ended up into small unit tactics uh, through a militia unit back in 2014 uh, in okay. C Central Texas and uh, that kind of phased out uh, the militia route didn't really seem to be something that I wanted to stick with long term and I know a lot of people that uh, train uh, guns and tactics um, if they go that route they don't stick with it um, right. there's, it's kind of a political hotbed for, uh, better or worse. Um, yeah, so, a lot of stigma, a lot of stigma. Yeah. People don't like the word militia either. Although technically we all are a militiaman according yeah. to the constitution. Uh, well, I think that should be, you know, part of the goal, right? I mean, the whole, the whole idea of the militia, you know, being well-regulated, you know, being well-trained, well-equipped. Um, that's all what we're trying to do anyways. It's just it's gotten such a such an an ugly face, you know, both politically and just socially for years that it's really hard to um you know, to change that change the culture in that way to make that more acceptable. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that it's that way, but you know, militia and the Minuteman movement, that's such a huge part of American history. And it it, it predates oh, yeah. policing. Uh, you know, back in the day there's tons of books and uh History references you can refer to. And, uh, back in the day, there was no police. If there was a problem in the community, the community leaders would go to the militias to deal with it. And the militias were made up of farmers and businessmen and people of the community. And uh, right, uh, our our society has evolved or devolved, however you want to look at it, to the point where we are now. And unfortunately, that uh, that militia mentality that militia word is, is a bad word is a dirty word it's a politicized word and really yeah. at the end of the day it's all about uh gaining and acquiring skill sets that are good for survival and for the community and for the betterment of your family and uh that's what it should be all about yeah i 100 percent agree and you know we've you know since we started um the focus has always been on you know individual you know family neighbors you know, your greater community being able to serve people. So, you know, it, it is sad about, you know, seeing that, that cultural change over, 
you know, generations to generations, you know, cause that, that responsibility of protection of provision that doesn't go away. You know, if you shun that, then someone else has to pick that up. And a lot of the time it's, you know, once someone else picks it up, they're, they're not giving it back. You know, that's, that's kind of uh, gone forever, the opportunity. So uh, trying to get people, you know, fired up and just passionate about this, about, you know, taking care of themselves, taking care of their families and their communities. It's a difficult task and it's made more difficult when there's uh, infighting, when there's, you know, conflict in the, in the community that's trying to you know, push everybody forward. So it's a, it's a big, big task, but I like what you said about taking a more holistic approach, right? Um, you know, gaining a lot of skill sets and, you know, doing that to better serve your community. That's really great. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I, uh, when I joined, uh, like I said, you know, I kind of started through a fascination with three gun competitions and uh, I wanted to learn some more um, tactical type stuff. And that's how I found my way in. And uh, so um, they do, the militia that I joined used comms, and everybody had a Baofeng UV5R, uh, and that's still a kind of a standard radio for anybody getting into small unit tactics. Uh, Naturally, but right? When I got in, uh, nobody knew how to use them. They had frequencies they manually punched in, and the radios were all still in Chinese, and you know Chinese. it was it was a noisy mess. And uh, they they made it work, but. I took it upon myself to figure out how do these things work? How do we get them programmed? And uh, how can I use this to better the uh, militia unit? And uh, so naturally, uh, you know, kind of as a mistake, I uh, fell down the rabbit hole and uh, became the commo. And um, as the years have gone by, um, it became, it grew to be a passion. Yeah, trap, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a trap. I feel like a lot of the gun industry is that way too, though. That is, you know, building guns, buying guns, combo, gear, everything. Yeah, Gucci Glocks. Uh, Gucci, Gucci Glocks. But good for you, man. Like, just, you know, taking that upon yourself, seeing the deficiency in your, you know, in your community. And, you know, like I said, taking upon yourself to fix that. That's really awesome. Yeah, for sure. Especially with something as messy as combo, man. You're you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have so, a I had a little bit of a baseline to kind of help me along the way. So, growing up, uh, my father was a ham radio guy, and uh, okay. when he was in high school, uh, back in the seventies, uh, he had a, his first job was installing ham radios in trucks. And uh, oh, you know, wow, okay. So I I grew up around. My father being a ham radio guy, uh, and he hasn't been into it in decades. Uh, but so I had kind of a baseline there, something to reference. I knew what ham radio was. And a Baofeng is a ham radio. Right. Uh, and then uh, naturally, my father's progression, he uh, started a small internet company that served rural areas back when uh, there was dial-up and DSL. And that was it, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. So Wow. What, what they did is they used these 2.4 uh, panel antennas, and they'd go out and drop a T1 at a water tower site in rural areas that couldn't get DSL. And we'd go to people's homes and uh, put a 2.4 antenna on their roof and point it at the water tower, run a uh, coax or a, a Cat5 down to their router, configure their router, and uh, they had 
internet over radio. And wow, uh, that's so, crazy. And that's still a tactic used today. That's a lot how uh, the mesh tastic networks work to some degree. Not not absolutely, but uh, it's just you know IP traffic over radio is all it is. Um, so that gave that's all it is. <laughs> that gave me that's a magic. Uh, it is magic. <laughs> Uh, doing all that stuff, that, that gave me a reference and all that knowledge and experience helped me fall into my groove where I am today. Um, otherwise I'd probably be lost. Uh, yeah. so it, it definitely gave me a starting point that I didn't know that I needed or a springboard into something I didn't know that I would fall into in the, in the future. Yeah. That's really great, man. Especially like, you know, like you said, having family, having a you know, having that, you know, history of, you know, your, your dad who was, you know, in that space of then, uh, being in a community who obviously needed your help, you know, that, um, you know, that really ties everything, you know, in like, every, you know, as you were growing up and then, you know, kind of seeing what needed to be done, what things could be. So that's really cool that you were able to tie that together and, you know, like you said, carve out a, a passion out of it. So that's really cool. Absolutely. But, I guess before we, um, well, we kind of went into into what you're doing now. Uh, do you want to just flesh out a little bit? Yeah, so um, I run a Instagram page called Civil Sentinel, um, and I started it. Um, I started Civil Sentinel to make comms a little bit more easy to understand, a little bit more easy to swallow. Uh, so when I started learning this stuff, I, I felt my way through it, and I didn't really have uh, many people who could teach me the fundamentals of uh, radio science and how radio okay. works and the why behind it. And there's right. some there's some critical components that you need to understand, like modulation, antenna theory, uh, the different frequency bands, simplex and duplex. Um, and that's, that's very uh, foundational in making your comms work and troubleshooting comms. Uh, right. And anybody who's uh, gotten into the ham radio community has probably felt a little bit of the frustration that I felt. Um, I know we talk about it on uh, the Civil Sentinel podcast, but uh, there, there's a lot of people that get into ham radio and they're just so frustrated by it. And a lot of that has to do with the, the technical depth of the knowledge that you're learning. And it's kind of one of those things, you know, you, you have to build a framework to plug this information into for it to make sense. If you just hit someone with, well, this is how you program a duplex repeater, they're going to be like, I have no idea what you just told me. Right. But if you can kind of, you know, build a foundation and then build a framework of how radio works and the what and the why, then when you start to explain some of these things, it has a place to call home in their brain and make sense. And um, so th I, I've attempted to try to do that through the Instagram page, uh, take some of these basic concepts and uh, make them a little bit more easy to swallow than going to uh, QRZ or AWRL or some of the ham radio YouTube pages out there. Um, I'm trying to simplify it as best as I can. And um, I've gotten some feedback. People have told me, thank you for doing what you're doing. It, it, it made sense when you said it like that. So uh, I think I'm doing a good job. Uh, I hope I'm doing a good job. And uh, it's a hot topic. Comms are uh, popular right now. They're growing in popularity. So, Which is really great. Yeah, something that's you know generally been pretty um, you know pretty hands off, pretty neglected in the community. 
So that's really awesome. And, you know, I am really appreciative of you, uh, you know, starting from that bare bones approach, trying to get, uh, trying to flesh out those, you know, some big concepts because it is very, um, is a very difficult concept to grasp. You know, I, I like what the, the word you said in earlier radio communication, like, uh, science, I think is what you said, you know, cause there is a science to all of that. I mean, it is just such a vast, vast subject. So we're going to try to break down a little bit of that subject today. Um, you know, but naturally for the, for the framing of this conversation, uh, we're going to unfortunately limit the scope quite a lot. Um, I'm thinking more just, you know, straight entry level analog radios, like a, like a Beofeng, like someone would pick up from, you know, Amazon or, you know, from a hardware store for 20 bucks and, you know, go out with their buddies and, you know, try to hash it out, figure out how to use it. Absolutely. Where would you like to start? So, you know, I have a lot of just general like foundational questions, but I guess a good place to start just for framing purposes. What is, um, what would you consider MCOM and TACCOM, emergency communication and tactical communication? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, from a good starting point would be emergency communications, MCOM. Um, um, emergency communications, let's take a step back and talk about the different uh, platforms of radio that exist out there to the public. Um, okay. So, everybody's heard of CB radio. Uh, a lot of the off-road trucks you see driving around, Jeeps, uh, overlanding guys, they, they get CB radios. Uh, okay. you'll, that, you'll be able to recognize civilian it. band, right? Yes, civilian band. Okay. And uh, you'll recognize CB radio because you'll see a big six-foot antenna on the back of uh, somebody's truck or their Jeep or something like that. It's a, it's a big, long whip antenna. Okay. Um, c- civilian band is available to the public, license-free. Uh, you can get CB radios at any truck stop in America. Um, and then from there... You got FRS radio. FRS stands for Family Radio Service. So if you go to Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops or Academy Sports or Dick's Sporting Goods or Walmart, uh, you can get those little radios that has, you know, one through 24 channels on it. And it has, you know, just a little blister pack radio is what they're being called. You can buy a four pack of them, you can buy a six pack of them, um, or you can buy them individually. Um, they're basically, for all intents and purposes, just a low-power uh, family-use radio is kind of how the FCC chose to uh, describe it. Okay. Um, and that is, that's another radio that exists uh, in the public domain, uh, license-free. Um, and kind of taking another layer back from there, um, this is also public, uh, available to the public, but MERS radio, M-U-R-S. And uh, it's a different band. So CB is one band. Uh, CB is in the 11 meter band. Uh, I, I won't get into the weeds too much on this, I promise. No, oh, you're fine. FRS is uh, in the UHF band, and then there's MERS radio, multi-use uh, radio service, I believe it's called. Uh, there's four frequencies in the MERS uh, frequ- frequency block that are available for public use without a license. Um, and then you got, getting into your licensed radio, you have GMRS, General Mobile Radio Service, I believe is what it's called. And uh, GMRS is about a $70 license. You don't have to take a test, but there are some rules 
that you have to follow. Um, so you go online, you read the thing, you sign the form, you pay the 70 bucks, boom, you got a license in your email. Um, so what you're going to get with that is uh, there's different channels, uh, CB, FRS, MERS, they have designated frequencies that are uh, assigned channel numbers. Um, so when you get into like the off-road community, the hiking community, the backpacking, camping, climbing, uh, you're going to see a lot of these radios out there. Um, and so where, where this applies to MCOM is there's different channels that uh, are going to be used for emergency purposes that are kind of designated, not officially, very unofficially, uh, for emergency use. Okay, so FRS uh, channel 20 is... oh. I, will, I should say that uh, FRS overlaps with GMRS quite a bit. So FRS okay. channel 20 is also GMRS channel 20. It, the frequency is 462.675. That is the national emergency frequency. If you have an emergency, you can hop on there and call out. Uh, hope somebody's listening. Uh, for MERS, the emergency channel is 151.940. And... Um, and then CB is channel 9, which is 27.065 megahertz. Um, so kind of where MCOM plays out is uh, these, these are going to be frequencies that you're going to want to have memorized or laminated on a card or something. So if you have an emergency and you're in the wilderness, you're hunting, you're backpacking, you're camping, um, you know, you can have a comms plan with people. Uh, hop on these frequencies and call out say, hey, I have an emergency. Um, and that's kind of a good intro into what MCOM is about and where it starts. But it even goes deeper from there uh, when you get into the ham radio world. Um, and to keep it simple, let's not get too much into there. Once you get into ham, uh, you do need a license to operate it. However, okay. in the event of an emergency, you can hop on any ham radio frequency and call for help. And if it's a true emergency, you're not going to be violating any FCC rules. They have have mercy on you for that sort of thing okay um same with there's a uh, national guard vhf frequency that exists out there uh never heard of anybody using it i don't even know if the national guard monitors it but it does exist um so another uh component of mcom is um uh, is some of the weather stuff that exists out there uh, so NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, uh, they have uh, these seven frequencies that exist on repeaters throughout the North American continent, and they're constantly transmitting weather information. Uh, so recently here in uh, Texas, we just got done going through a winter storm, and we were iced over for several days, and uh, right. you know you can hop on there and uh, listen to weather forecasts. Uh, which is a great thing if you're out in the wilderness and you need to know what's coming. Uh, it's a good place to start. Yeah, that's really great. Is that like the uh, the channels that are on, like, um, have you ever seen, like, the emergency radios? Like the little, um, uh, like, solar repower, or solar chargeable, uh, pulley power, pulley chargeable, um, you know, just uh, general emergency radios you can buy at, like, Walmart or something. Yeah, so the button where it sets you over to like a uh, a weather channel is it that sort of thing? 
Yes. So the NOAA channels, the NOAA channels will be programmed onto those uh, survival radios that you can buy. Um, um, along with, that's a good question, man. I haven't dug into that a whole lot. I've actually never owned one. <laughs> oh, no worries. It's just, it, it made me think of that because, you know, you have, like you said, those survival radios where you go, like it has a specific button where you hit that, then it goes right to weather. Um, just built in. But it sounds like that. Just the, uh, like you said, 24 7 uh, weather information. Yep. It's there. Uh, the NOAA channels are on the uh, emergency radios you can buy. And so if you own one of those or you own a Baofeng, uh, you can program those frequencies in and always have access to weather information wherever you are. Awesome. Very cool. And then another cool component, and this is getting into the ham community. Uh, by the way, anybody can go listen to ham radio. You don't have a license. You don't need a license to listen. You can, you can tune in at any time and listen as long as you don't interfere with communications. But... Uh, there's going to be ham radio repeaters scattered across the entire North American continent in any, really every rural area and urban area. Um, and w there's a, um, when there's a hazardous weather like tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, earthquakes, fires, floods, uh, there's an emergency radio service called RACES, R-A-C-E-S. And I forget what the acronym stands for. Uh, but it's kind of synonymous with another emergency radio, radio service called Skywarn. And what they do is they take over the amateur radio repeaters and have live updated information on real-time weather events that are happening. So you can track oh, wow. tornadoes. You can, uh, they'll be transmitting where floods are happening, where fires are moving, um, all that stuff in real time. Um, and That's that, crazy. That is how the National Weather Service gets their information that they relay to the news stations. And when the news stations talk about, hey, the tornado's crossing this highway and it's going this direction, by the time the news stations air that information out, it's been like three to five minutes. So uh, getting that stuff on uh, a ham radio, Racy's or Skywarn, you're getting real-time information. That's awesome. Are those guys all... Um... Like they don't get paid for it; they're just volunteers, right? One hundred percent volunteers, ham That's radio amazing. guys that that love what they do. That's amazing. That's so cool. So that's MCOM. What's TACCOM? TACCOM. TACCOM is uh, tactical communications. Um, this is a little bit of a slippery slope. Um, kind of going back to what you guys uh, mentioned on the podcast. Um, after I sent you some notes on. Uh, so in a tactical situation, you're going to use radio to uh, coordinate movement, uh, relay status, um, and you're going to want to do that exclusively. Um, so TACCOM, you're getting into how do I keep closed communications with people that I need to talk to to, to coordinate? Uh, okay. And you're going to be coordinating status. Uh, location. Yeah, status, location. Um, in some situations, if you're going out on patrol, you're going to have calm windows. Um, so you'll get on and you'll check in. Hey, I'm still here. I'm at uh, this rally point or I've crossed this phase line. 
or I'm in this valley, I'm on this hilltop, or I'm on this highway, whatever. Uh, and then you'll log off, and you'll check in again. Um, so as far as tactical communications goes, you know, you're, you want to keep that stuff exclusive. You, don't, you want your people to hear you and nobody else. So TACCOM is where you're going to get into encryption and secure radio. Uh, you're going to use brevity code, pro words. Uh, you're going to use phonetic alphabet so you, that you're speaking clearly. Um, you're going to use... Emission control. Exactly. Emissions control. Uh, and emissions control applies to uh, radio as well. You, you only want to use the correct amount of power to reach uh, your intended destination and no more power than that. But, right. Uh, um, there, there's a lot more nuances to TATCOM than there is MCOM. Because it's a it's a more of a disciplined uh, sk skill set. So, what is simplex uh, simplex operation? People hear simplex, duplex. What are those What do those terms mean? So, simplex is a fancy way of saying uh, end to end communication. So, if you have a radio and I have a radio and we're going to be talking together, it's simplex. It's simple communication. Let's think simple, simplex. Okay, uh, so like walkie-talkies. Exactly. Uh, versus duplex. Duplex is, uh, it kind of turns radio into a two-way street. Um, so think about it like this. If you and I and a third party are on one frequency and we're trying to talk all at the same time, that frequency is going to get locked up. And uh, you're going to hear just a jumbled mess. Um, so what duplex does is it creates an uplink frequency and a downlink frequency. So think about, you know, splitting a two-lane road or a, a single-lane road into two lanes. Uh, you have one lane going one direction and the other lane going the other, other direction. Well, they just do that with frequencies. They have one frequency for talking one way and the other frequency for talking the other way. And this is how repeaters work. It keeps... Uh, it keeps the traffic from. It keeps the traffic manageable, um, and there's some programming involved to be able to use duplex. Um, you're not ever going to use duplex from radio to radio. Pretty much, you're always going to use simplex. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned repeaters for duplex operation. So, what does a repeater do? A repeater is. It, it, it takes your signal and it retransmits it at a higher power from a higher location, typically. So uh, radios operate off of a line of sight technology. Uh, there are some bands that are that that are capable of uh, how do I say this? There's there are some bands that radio signal can penetrate trees and buildings well. And then there are some bands that cannot penetrate trees and buildings well at all. So okay. if you obstruct line of sight, you obstruct your radio signal. So what a, a repeater does is it elevates itself, its antenna, above trees, mountains, buildings, and all that stuff. So it, it's improving the line of sight characteristics uh, and making your signal path less obstructed. Um, and therefore, you're extending range and... Um, uh, repeaters often uh, they have a very efficient receiving antenna, and uh, they're capable of receiving 
weaker signals, such as uh, handhelds, which are on like 5 watts. Um, and then they'll retransmit that signal that's received in real time uh, on like 50 watts or 100 watts or 200 watts. That's amazing. And so a repeater can, you know, if you can t hit the repeater, the repeater can retransmit, throw your signal out, you know, 50 miles in some cases. Wow, that's impressive. So you're talking about bands a second ago. Um, I think I've got this right. So UHF, VHF, ultra high frequency, and very high frequency. Do you want to get into those a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So most radios that you're going to get are going to be VHF, UHF radios. Um, the Baofeng is a dual band radio. It's UHF, VHF. Um, and kind of where that came from, uh, ultra high frequency is a higher frequency than very high frequency. Very high frequency is a lower frequency than ultra high frequency. And then there's high frequency, which is lower than very high frequency. So it's, it's a little bit jumbled up. It's a little bit hard to understand. But where that came from, back when they were developing radios, uh, 1930s, Nikola Tesla era, uh, they thought HF was about as high as you could go. That's why they called it HF. And then they realized you can go higher than HF. And so VHF was born. And then they realized you can go higher than VHF. So ultra-high frequency was born. And then Constantly they, evolving. Constantly evolving. So VHF and UHF, uh, that's where you're going to camp out and, and learn radio. Um, they have Each one of those bands behaves a little bit differently because of the frequency. Um, UHF being a higher frequency is a smaller wave. VHF uh, is going to be a little bit bigger wave. Um, so kind of a good rule of thumb is uh, the smaller the wave, you're going to have more bandwidth and you're going to have less distance um, and you're going to have a little bit less interference. Uh, the lower the frequency, you're going to be able to talk further, but you're going to have a whole lot more interference. Okay. Um, so that's kind of a, according to antenna theory and um, the signal science, that's kind of the rule. However, you'll realize if you get out there and test the, the bands yourself, grab a buddy, go grab some radios, get out there and do some propagation tests, some range tests, you know, test your area that you're in, see how far you can get, play with the power settings. You'll realize that that science doesn't really appear to be absolute. Um, but on paper, radio working in a vacuum, uh, that's the rule to follow. Okay. So when would you use something like ultra high frequency or very high frequency? I like to think of uh, ultra high frequency as kind of uh, the go-to band. If you're going to be like in a suburban area, uh, you're going to be around houses, uh, buildings, uh, concrete and glass, you're going to have a lot better success your signal making it to its destination on UHF than on VHF. Uh, VHF, okay. if you're going to be uh, in like a rural area or mountains or uh, somewhere that doesn't have a lot of dense trees, uh, prairies and plains or desert, uh, VHF, you can... It, it, VHF is going to be a lot more efficient. You can really reach out there 
and uh, get a better signal with VHF. Um, okay. And on the inverse of that, using VHF in a urban setting, um, you're going to have a lot more interruptions in signal uh, because your line of sight isn't as good. Um, your noise, the noise floor is going to interfere with the radio signal a lot more. Um, so, kind of a good rule that, that I teach when when we kind of do it, some of our trainings is, if you're going to be uh, if you're going to be in your neighborhood or if you're going to be in a downtown or somewhere, go to VH, go to UHF. I'm sorry, you go to go to UHF. If you're going to be out in the pasture working on the farm or uh, operating in a in a rural area, go to VHF. Okay, that makes sense. Hey everybody, this is 6 and 7 with the Hard Time Strongman Podcast, and we are coming to talk to you about our Patreon and Discord. Hey guys, our patrons get early access to all of our episodes. They get all of our exclusive pre and post shows, all of our spicy takes, all of our rabbit holes that we go on, everything that we want to include in the episode, but we can't because we need to stay on topic. And soon enough, we will be offering digital downloads, guides, Everything that we've been working on in the background will soon be available to our patrons. So make sure to check it out. And come hang out with us on Discord. Speaking of the spicy stuff, this is where we discuss most of it. Once you're there, you'll get access to all of our in-depth discussions, including stuff like homesteading, fieldcraft, medical, camping, communications, shooting. You like ARs? Come talk to us about it. You like 4x4 vehicles and prepping? Come talk to us about it. You like Tannerite, Thermite, Napalm? Come talk to us about all of the campfire talks that would get us kicked off of other platforms. It's right there in our Discord. Come join our community. We're active on Discord every day. We're interacting with members constantly. We have guys from every walks of life coming to contribute their expertise to all of these various fields and subjects that we've been talking about. Come join the watch Discord. Come join the Discord. Join our community build up that better class of man now back to the episode you talked a little bit about uh brevary codes phase lines uh call signs different things regarding comsec do you want to just uh kind of set the record straight there so communication security um you even dip into mission control a little bit uh, what does that look like for for somebody trying to you know say organize their community that's a that's a that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big rabbit hole. So let's um, let's just so, you know, in my mind, uh, when, you know, and we don't have to get you know too deep into it, but um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of conflict regarding this, especially in the radio community, you know, regarding, um, you know, encryption, ability to encrypt, and having good comsec. So, uh, what does good comsec look like? I guess would be a, a a little more focused answer. That is also a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good good comsec. I the the ideal comsec uh, for civilian run and gun team would be you want to have a digitally encrypted radio. Um, digital encryption is going to offer exclusivity, uh, so the only people who are going to be able to listen in on that radio track. Is, Traffic is anybody who has that encryption key. Um, however, good comsec rules also say that you should still use brevity code, even on encrypted radio. Uh, the The rule is always assume somebody is listening. Right, that's what I was taught. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, 
Um, so Comsec, there's there's a lot to it. There's a lot of little tricks and things you can do to uh, uh, make yourself unobservable. I like to say, um, and that might okay. not be the the best term to use there, but um, you kind of want to, you know, you kind of want to hide in plain sight. Uh, so one of the one of those methods is we're kind of getting in the weeds a little bit. I'll just touch on this. We don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but using burst messaging. So a lot of the digital radios, pretty much most of them actually will have a text messaging feature. So I can type a text message and send it to your radio. And, wow. And it, versus keying up and, and speaking out that whole message, my radio is going to be keyed up the entire time that I'm talking. Versus if I type it out and just press send, it's going to be da 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 and it's done. So that's going to be less time on the air, and it's going to be a digital signal, and it's going to be less observable. And even if somebody does intercept that little burst of message, it's going to be encrypted, so you can't really break into it and see what it says. Uh, oh, cool. So there's some cool stuff happening out there um, when it comes to ComSec. Uh, when you get into digital radios is, is where you kind of learn all that stuff. But if you're going to stick on the in entry level to radio, uh, your Baofeng. Uh, good ComSec is going to be uh, a lot of planning and testing. Uh, so you're going to want to get out there with a buddy, go test your area. Um, test different, test a variety of ranges on low power. Test the same variety of ranges on medium power. Then test the same variety of ranges again on high power and see where your limitations are. Um, now do the same test all the way over again. Do one test on VHF, low, medium, and high power. Do one test on UHF, low, medium, and high power. Take notes. See what works better. See what doesn't work. See, see where your problems are. And then you can kind of make your, uh, your band selection and your power output selection based off of that. But um, Okay, that's, that's more of the emission control. Yeah, uh, that's that's getting into right. emission control. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Um, another comsec thing, another comsec aspect is you don't want to ever use actual names, locations, coordinates, grid squares, anything like that. You want to code all of that stuff, and that's where okay. um, a little bit of pre-planning is going to come in. So you're going to need to get together and figure out a number matrix that uh, kind of obscures your numbers if you're going to send coordinates and stuff like that. Uh, you're going to want to have uh, code words. Um, you're going to want to have call signs. You know, um, I don't want anybody hopping on the radio and saying, hey, Jake, can you hear me? Um, my call sign uh, with my training group, and this is just training, so I'll say this out there, but my call sign is steak fried. So they'll, they'll get on the radio and they'll be like, steak fried, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. So anybody listening in, you know, any information that they can pick up that's real-time information is going to be valuable to them. So any edge that the adversary can get on you, um, they're, they're going to want every bit of it. Even if it's my just my first name and they don't know my last name or they don't know anything else about me, that, that gives them something. Helps to paint a picture. It helps to paint a picture, that's right. So, okay. you, so you want to obscure. Signs. Sorry, go ahead. 
yeah, call signs obscure that information, and so does brevity code. Um, you know, you don't want to say like, "Hey, I'm at the 7-Eleven on uh, Main Street and Second. You want to say like, "I'm at Rally Point Delta." So anybody okay. who's listening to that is going to be like, well, "Where the f is Rally Point Delta?" Sorry for their language. No, you're fine. You're fine. So like, uh, so like call signs, brevity codes, phase lines. Uh, using like a like a code book or a, a code table correct correct and you can even go as intricate as using this is pretty popular out there right now using one-time pads it's a way to uh, uh, code something and now you'll be spelling it out you'll be spelling out a code and then somebody else to take that code and turn it back into the message but it's a pretty foolproof way of uh, encrypting your stuff over analog yeah how's that work you know um, it one-time pad is a cipher and they call it one-time pad it's like you're gonna have a, a whole stack of one-time pads with you and once you use that one-time pad once you, you throw it away oh so they're all different so they're That's all different neat. yeah so That's Matt, neat. the you can get out there on Google and look up one-time pads and there's a ton of information out there you can make them yourself um, it's going to be something, though, that uh, each end of the radio, each user, is going to have to have a copy of those one-time pads for it to work. You can't just do it on the fly. Okay, so, like, you'd have to say, like, choose A10 or, you know, whatever destination you have. Right. And then you could use that table off. That's really neat. That's really cool. And then I saw something today online. I thought this was really cool. So... This guy made a um, a paper version of the Enigma machine that the the Germans used. Oh my right gosh! Now. And it's it's another it's another codex. Uh, it's another cipher. You know, if you know anything about the Enigma machine, the Germans had an edge in communicating during World War II because they had this machine, and they ran all their messages through it. And the Allied forces could hear this stuff, but they couldn't make sense of it, and they couldn't figure out how to break the code um, eventually at some point in the war there was multiple efforts on um, breaking this code um, the British had a there's a movie about it I forget what it's called um, but the British were able to crack pieces of the code enough to put to understand a little bit of the code at a time and kind of get a puzzle piece here and a puzzle piece there and kind of get a glimpse at what the, what they were communicating uh, eventually, the Americans did get their hands on an Enigma machine and were able to uh, decrypt all the Germans' radio traffic and uh, use that information against them. Um, and that's kind of where the one-time pad concept of as soon as you use this thing, you need to throw it away. Uh, right. that, that's kind of where that comes from. Okay. Uh, but in today's day and age with technology, uh, with AES-256 encryption, that's the gold standard. You can't crack it. Um, you you might be able to get little bits and pieces of it, but it's going to take like mathematically. I think it takes like ten thousand years to crack an AES two fifty six encryption code, versus wow. a sixteen bit code. You could crack it in like two three days. Um, well, and you know, like you said, if you're using good comsec, regardless, you know, if that is your if that is your personal SOP, your personal standard, to have good comsec along with that encryption. So, you know, like you said, using your call signs, brevity codes, phase lines, um, you know, even like to your, 
you know, especially what you were saying about um, using the packet radio, you know, like the messaging or whatever else where it, you know, transmits for a very short amount of time and use that with, you know, with comm windows, that's, and good emission control, that would be very, very difficult to, uh, to use against you. Yeah, and all this, you know, all this hinges on the rule of always assume somebody's listening. Right. So if you just use a little bit of creativity and, you know, pretend like somebody's listening to you, and you, you can come up with uh, a whole bunch of different code words and call signs and stuff like that within y yourselves to, uh, you know, obscure your communications and uh, try to make it as, as exclusive as possible or as difficult to track as possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that just goes down to, you know, your own personal discipline and, you know, actually getting with and training with your guys, you know, like you said, you know, getting together and coming up with these, uh, you know, these SOPs, these standards and, you know, talking things through so everybody's on the same page. Yeah, with absolutely. That, um, yeah, yeah. With that said, um, can you explain what a pace plane is and how someone could set one up? Yes. So a pace plan, uh, pace is an acronym for primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency. Um, and it's kind of born out of the military world of acronyms. They love their acronyms. Uh, a way to uh, have a set of contingencies uh, that are intended on keeping communication lines open. Um, so what a pace plan is not is... Uh, P, primary, channel one. A, alternate, channel two. C, contingency, channel three. E, emergency, channel four. You want to you wanna mix it up. Uh, so it kind of in the, in the bushcraft world of, of tactics, you want to have three different methods of starting a fire. So in, in communications, you know, you want to have more than one way to communicate. Um, right. So, so not just relying on your radio. Right, not just radio. So a good place, pace plan, you're going to have a radio pace, but you're also going to have a full communications pace plan. Uh, so kind of what we do, uh, the group that uh, we do training with now, uh, we're, we're more of a, a prepper group than anything else. Um, but our primary mode of communication is telegram tech. Uh, we all have telegram on our phones. Uh, that's our primary. Okay. yeah. And if cell phones go down or if there's a power outage like the uh, snowpocalypse of 2021, then uh, we're going to get on our radios and uh, hit uh, a designated repeater. So that's our alternate. And then our contingency is going to be uh, something like we're going to have a comms window, but you need to get to this location and hit this comms window, and uh, we're going to go simplex communications. So if the power's out, repeater's not going to be working. Uh, if repeater's not working, you can't use that as a, a means of communication. But you need to know the capability of your radios and Ab everybody's radios. Absolutely. So we'll have like a high point in the city, like an eight-story parking garage or something like that that has good line of sight. Um, and, you know, that's where using comms window, it, hey, if you can get to a high point and you can turn on your radio at this set time, then we can probably talk to each other in simplex. We don't need a repeat. I love it. Um, and then that leaves emergency communications. So 
you know, uh, strapping a handwritten letter to a pigeon and sending it in the air and hope it makes it. <laughs> Goodness sakes. Uh, you know, there you got to get creative with this stuff too. You know, there's there's several means of uh, communication. You know, your pace could be text message. Uh, for your primary, your alternate could be email. Uh, your contingency could be uh, a radio repeater, and your emergency could be landline phone. You know, mix it up a little bit, but it's going to be situation dependent, depending on your AO and the and the tools you have available. Um, right. So you got to kind of think through this stuff and and hash it out with other people and put it on paper and go test it. And uh, it takes a little bit of pr planning, preparation, and um, just good old-fashioned, you know, let's see what works and doesn't work. Right. Good old-fashioned actually talking to people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I wanted to touch a little bit more on um, the emergency radio frequencies because uh, something that I think that people really don't give enough credence to with, um, you know, with these entry-level radios, with any radios really, is just the ridiculous amount of channels that you can program onto these things right so something that i like to do in whatever area i'm at i like to pre-program my radio with all the emergency frequencies for that area that i can think of yeah that's so a, not the, that's sorry good, go ahead. Man. yeah not just the noaa but like you know all the dispatches all the you know if there's like a sheriff office fire you know firehouse you know all these different uh, you know, all these different frequencies so that if an event does occur or just for my own situational awareness, I have a, a I have a better, bigger picture of the, you know, of the situation that's going on. Right. You got a variety so, of options in your arsenal to use for emergency communication. Yeah, 100%. So do you know of any um, resources for people where they can get that information or, uh, you know, like how do you fill that out? Where do you there, find that stuff? You know, there is there is stuff available, and you could probably spend a long time searching Google and finding this stuff. Uh, but I actually made a slide, and I posted it on my Instagram uh, back last fall, um, and it's called MCOM Frequency. Oh, okay. And, and the, the, the second slide in that post is emergency use frequencies. So, uh, oh, sweet. Okay. Here, I'll have to look at that then. I'll read them out for you. It's FRS-20. It's MERS. Uh, it's the Marine radio. Marine is a VHF radio. You can get uh, Marine programmed on Marine frequencies programmed onto your Baofeng radio. Um, okay. The ham radio VHF simplex call frequency. The ham radio UHF simplex call frequency. Um, and then I got on there the ham radio 220. Uh, don't worry about that one. Nobody's ever on 220. Hardly anybody is going to have a 220 radio anyway but I put it on there just for reference okay. and uh, then you got airband uh, airband is its own type of radio uh, so if you can get your hands on an airband radio you can get your hands on these frequencies uh, then you got CB channel 9 and then you got your National Guard VHF frequencies um, so I, I kind of took everything that's available out there and I just put it in one slide so so there it is just for quick reference cool well i appreciate that for sure absolutely oh, that was handy <laughs> and then 
if you're taking notes, add on to there. You're going to want to add all seven uh, NOAA channels, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association channels. Uh, those are those, those are good resources to have. So, how do you think someone can get the? How much? What am I trying to say? So, how can someone get the most, the best out of their radio, regardless of what radio they have? Well, it's a really open-ended question, but you know, we we started off with this, uh, you know, with this section of the community where people were, you know, would either you know buy a blister pack of radios or buy a bio thing. They wouldn't even put the batteries in, or they. You know, like I said earlier, they had all these radios and they were trying to use them, but like they, the radios were still talking to them in Chinese. So, what can people do to make the most of what they have now? The the best thing you can do is learn how to use it and learn how it works. Learn how to program it. Learn how to change the features on it. Right. So it's kind of like it's kind of like your pistol. You know, our how are you going to know how to defend yourself with a pistol if you never pick it up and take it to the range, if you never right. disassemble it and clean it, if you right. never yeah. constantly reload the magazine, if you never look into what kind of ammo am I going to put in this thing, if you never figure out, can I see these sights in the dark? Do I need a flashlight on this thing? You know, you got, you got to get out there and use it, and you got to put it to the test. You got to know its limitations and its nuances, and you got to learn how to manipulate those nuances and uh, make it work for you. Um, so you know, learn how to program your radio. There's a, a bunch of resources out there, and there's a bunch of us radio guys on Instagram that are happy to help you as well. Um, there's a, a plethora of YouTube channels that you can watch on how to do that. Um, so learn what frequencies you're going to need. We, we just covered that. Learn how your radio works and how to program it. Uh, but then you gotta, you got to get out there and test it. Just like you're going to take your gun to the range and practice with it, you got to practice with your radio too. Uh, go grab a buddy. Go drive around town and go hike and go use your radios and practice switching channels and practice comms windows and practice emission control, practice using different bands. Uh, find the limits of it. That's that's really the best thing that you can do, is uh, really get familiar with it and get to know it like the back of your hand. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's why, you know, that this in particular is hard for, hard for just the community at large because it forces you, you know, with firearms, with equipment, with you know, clothing, with. Uh, just book knowledge. You can do all that on your own, right? But with radio communication, there comes a point to where you can no longer learn on your own. You know, you you know, just by the nature of you know radio communication, you have to be communicating with someone. So it forces people to you know break out of their comfort zone and you know be vulnerable and you know have to you know, learn things from somebody. So I think that's a huge hiccup in the, in the community at large, just when people realize that, you know, oh, I can't just, you know, go on YouTube and learn everything, or I can't, you know, get an app and have it all be better. You know, I have to actually practice with this, and I can't just practice on my own. I have to practice with somebody who can hear me mess up. Right, absolutely. 
And here's a little trick for you. I do this uh, with some of my digital radios. So uh, I'll go out of my garage, set up my laptop, get the voice recorder set up, and hit record and stick a radio right next to my computer. And then I'll go around my neighborhood and test different bands on high, medium, and low power from different points in the neighborhood. And then I can come nah, back to my house. That's an interesting solution. It's, it's not the best, but it's something that you can do solo. Uh, and then I can replay that recording and figure out, oh, well, it worked from this point, but it didn't work from that spot in the neighborhood over there. And you can kind of, you know, it, it gives you something you can do on your own. And uh, really the best way to, to do it is you need a buddy. But yeah, 100%. It, it's, it's a starting place if, uh, if you want to start there. That's really cool. That's a cool idea. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then my last question for you, man, was do you have any basic foundational, uh, I guess, key takeaways and your rules of thumb for people you know, regarding, regarding radio? For guys who are, you know, just like at home trying to be more prepared for their families or, you know, for a natural disaster or for the, you know, the more militant, the more tactical side. Are, is there anything you just like, you know, broad stroke key takeaways? Yeah, first and foremost. Radio? Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, you got to be patient. Uh, this is not a skill that you're going to master overnight. Uh so in the same regard, you got to be persistent as well. Um, you know, it, it is a skill that's worth mastering. Um, but you got to be patient with it. And uh, that's, that's tough. You know, everybody wants that, that Burger King way of, I want it this way and I want it now. Well, you're not going to get that at a radio. Uh, you've really got to put in the time, do the homework, and and do the testing and, and do the repetitions and get familiar with it. Uh, you know, from a, from a preparedness standpoint, uh, everybody out there has these little Baofeng radios. Throw some emergency frequencies on it. Keep one in your glove box. Keep one in your wife's glove box. Keep one in your junk drawer in your kitchen. Teach your wife how to use it. If you have kids old enough, teach them how to use it. Um, because you never know when it could come in handy. Uh, you know, just just prepare. At $25 a pop, it's worth buying several of them and just stashing them around the house and the workplace and the garage and the truck and, and all that stuff. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, man. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Anything else you want to share? Um... Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no worries, man. Have fun with this stuff, you know. Okay, here's one. I do have something. This is uh, this is worth looking into. If if you really want to take the deep dive and get into this stuff, go visit your local ham club. Uh, you're okay. gonna you're gonna learn more about ham radio, but radio is radio, and you'll get some of the fundamentals down out of these guys. Uh, so it's worth going, checking in with them, tell them who you are. Uh, maybe don't tell them that you're interested in, in doing encrypted comms because technically that's illegal. But uh, tell them you're interested in learning about radio 
and these guys will be eager to teach you. Very cool. Well, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you having you on and sharing your knowledge on this, hoping to, uh, to reach our audience and to get more guys into this. And, uh, like I said, I really want this to be a ongoing series an ongoing conversation to where we can raise the standard for everybody and make this more, uh, you know, a more mainstream, uh, hard skill that isn't as, uh, I guess, isn't as novel as people have made it out to be something that's a lot more natural you know, in the community and in, and in their families, just at large. So thanks a lot for sharing your perspective and your knowledge. And, you know, we really hope to have you on soon. Absolutely. Yeah. If you ever want to go deeper, let me know, man. That'd be really great, man. So uh, for everybody listening to this, could you shout out, uh, you know, your name, your channel, what you do again before we, before we head off? Absolutely. Find me on Instagram. My page is called Civil Sentinel. Uh, and we just started a podcast. We're on episode five. Uh, we're breaking down comms. Man. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, we're having the comms discussion over podcast. Uh, we're doing it very casually and loosely. Uh, we're approaching it from an MCOM, TACCOM perspective. Uh, we're not doing it from the ham radio perspective. Uh, we're, we're trying to be loose and goofy with it, too. You know, we like to have fun. Um, so stop on by. Give us a listen. Uh, you got any questions, send me a direct message. I'll be happy to help any way I can. Sweet. Thank you so much, man. People need more humor. They need more. They, they need to get the human aspect back into back into learning, back into information. Yeah, man. So, you know. Thank you for all that. You got, you got to take your training seriously, but don't take life so seriously. <laughs> Yeah, 100%, man. I love it. Well, if you're still here, thanks for listening. Thank you, Civil Sentinel, Jake, for coming on. You guys can find him on Instagram, like he said. A lot of great information here today. We are the Hard Time Strongman Podcast, training up a better class of man. Stay in the fight. Hey guys, this is 6 and 7 with the Hard Time Strongman Podcast. Wanted to take a second to do a mental health check-in and to tell you all about the 988 Crisis Lifeline. So, the 988 Lifeline is a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, 7 days a week in the United States. You can reach the Lifeline at 988lifeline.org or you can call or text 988 to get help, to get someone real on the phone. Every struggle is different. Every struggle is hard. But you are not alone in whatever you're going through. As someone who has used the 988 crisis line, I fully recommend that if you're feeling any of those feelings of depression, suicide, hopelessness, Get in touch with them immediately. They will help you. They will listen to you. Once again, guys, you can reach the Lifeline at 988lifeline.org or you can call or text them at 988. As always, guys, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight.